It's 1 Samuel 17, 21 through 26. And we may have them on the overhead for you. And we'll begin in verse 21. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family's, uh, father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Thank you. You may be seated. As you recall, several weeks ago when we were with you last, um, we kind of started looking at this story here of David and Goliath. And a lot of times we kind of relegate this to a children's story. And you know, we kind of remember you know, David in a slingshot and David and Goliath. And David may be anointed by Samuel, but we probably don't know a lot else about David. Uh, maybe a little bit here and there. But you know, the God in the scriptures referred to David as a man for his own heart. And when you start looking at the life of David, there's so much there about him that we can learn. And so much of the scriptures we have. And in this one passage here, this short uh, chapter 17, there's so much truth. And we're just going to kind of narrow our focus uh, today, this morning, on some things. But before we do that, I just want to, just as a way of review, kind of look at where we were several weeks ago. When we looked at, um, we kind of contrasted David, who was God's champion, versus Goliath, who was uh, the enemy's champion. And if you remember last week, we looked at the enemy's champion. He was huge. Whereas David, we showed he was concerned for God's people. The enemy is loud. And God's champion, David, was concerned for God's praise. He was arrogant. And you see David being courageous in God's plan. The enemy was defiant. And David was confident in God's protection. And you remember last, after that, we kind of moved on and contrasted David, who was God's chosen king, and contrasted him with Saul, who was the people's king. You know, Samuel anointed Saul. I remember just a way of review he was anointed by Samuel because God told him to anoint Saul. But that's not who God was picking out of someone. He didn't pick him because that's who he was choosing. He gave them Saul because that's what they wanted. And we talk about how that oftentimes that's one of the worst things God could ever do to us is give us what we want instead of what we need and what he would have for us. And that's what they got when they got King Saul. So you look at Saul. He was the king that the people chose and David was the king that God chose. Saul was fearful of the giant. David was willing to fight the giant. Saul tried to buy Israel's champion. David is willing to be Israel's champion. Saul does not seek God's protection. David is sure of God's protection. Saul lacked God's favor. David lived with God's favor. And, and at the end, the last one, uh, Saul was used to discourage God's people. Whereas David, God used him to deliver his people. And so we looked at that last time we got together. And today what we're going to do is we move on. In this passage we pick up in verse uh, 28. I want to look at three things that David faces here in this next section of scripture. He gets three, if you want to call them counsels or criticisms from three different people. And I want to narrow our focus. There's a lot going on in these verses beyond this, but we're going to kind of keep our focus on this interchange here between David and Eliab, David and Saul, and then David and Goliath. And kind of get a picture here of some of the challenges as believers that we can face as well. And we'll see how David walked through this. So hopefully we can learn from this how we handle people who come against us with either, and maybe even meaning well, Obviously, in Goliath's case, he didn't mean well, but they may have meant well, but they come against us with counsel that's not from the Lord or counsel that we need to be guarded against receiving. And so as we look at that, we're going to look at the first one who's from Eliab, which is his brother, and from Saul, 
who was the king, obviously, and then from Goliath. Now, Eliab, his brother, I put this down. He wasn't chosen by God. You remember that? When he went to date, when went to Jesse's house, when Sammy went there to anoint the king, Eliab was a firstborn, and, and Sam was thought to himself, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. And God says, no, I haven't chosen him. I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. Even Samuel missed that. That shows you how human we all are. So I'm encouraged by that. I don't know about you, but that's, Samuel wasn't perfect. But he did walk with God. So he was criticism from his brother Eliab, who wasn't chosen by God. He was really jealous of David. We'll see that in a second. He got criticism or counsel from Saul. You remember, Saul was rejected by God. God said, I rejected Saul. And he told, that's when he told Samuel, go, I've got someone I want you to anoint. He's going to be do all that's on my heart and mind. And he's a man from my own heart. So he'd been rejected by God. Of course, the last one is Goliath, and he stands against God. He's the enemy. As we look through this, we're going to kind of walk through each of them individually. We'll come back to the end and kind of look at this, how this hopefully make application for our own lives today. But let's get the first one with Eliab. Look, uh, pick it with me in verse uh, 28 of chapter 17 here, 1 Samuel. And it begins in 28. It says, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same manner, matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Now I want to look at Eliab's, what Eliab says here just real briefly. Here. We're not going to spend a lot of time with this guy. But he, he says three things that kind of jump out at me. You look at this text here in verse 28. He says in verse 28, look how he says this. He says, um, when Eliab's oldest brother, when David's oldest brother Eliab heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger in him and asked, what, why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? This is what he says about David. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here to watch the battle. And I want to look at three things he accuses David of here. He accuses him of being conceited, wicked, and only to come to watch the battle. If you look at the first one, wicked, and I don't know why Eliab chooses this word wicked when he talks about David, or excuse me, conceited. Because if you think about it, remember when they all asked the guys to come in for Samuel to kind of come by and look at all the sons of Jesse? Where was David at? He wasn't there. Because he was out, he's the only one working that day, apparently. He's out watching the sheep. And by the way, in that culture, that was the lowest job you could get. You were the youngest. If you're the youngest, you're going to get watching the sheep. A, a good Jew did not go watch sheep. That was, that was considered beneath them. Certainly not, you know, the oldest son, Eliab. He never would have been caught doing that. But that's where David was faithfully. And from the scriptures, from the Psalms, we see that David did that and he did it faithfully. And so he wouldn't even consider when that happened. Not to mention, above all else, we've got God's commentary on David. And God's, God's uh, view on David is this. He's a man from my own heart. So when you hear this from Eliab, you know this is not from the Lord. And David does too. And David wisely, quickly just rejects listening to these false accusations from his brother. By the way, the enemy's like this. He loves to try and discourage God's people if he can. And he tried to do this to cut in on our walk with the Lord. If he can get us to believe his lies, he can do a lot of damage. He will often even use those close to us to do that. And you've probably experienced that yourself. Remember what Jesus said? He warned that a prophet was without honor in his own home. In Matthew 13, 57, I'm going to hold your place here in Samuel. Look at that real quick. We'll have it on the screen. Look how Jesus deals with this issue. Jesus himself faced this in his earthly life. And in verse 57, next to the last verse in chapter 13 there of Matthew, 
This is right after he'd been doing all these miracles and signs, and people are like, Isn't this, we know this guy, we know who he is. Isn't that the son of Mary and Joseph? And aren't his brothers and sisters with us? So they're like, We know this guy, how can he do all this stuff? And so in, this, in verse 57, look how he responds. Look what the scriptures say. And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, in his own house, is a prophet without honor. And so Jesus was speaking about those in his hometown who refused to listen to him or believe him. You know, the scripture said they took offense at him. Well, this is, this is what David was experiencing. He comes up, and Eliab, you know, had to be jealous because he got passed over. And his youngest brother, who's just a sheep herder, he's the one that Samuel picks to be the next king. He's just a little guy. He's not even fully grown. But God chose him. And so David, and, uh, as he deals with Eliab, wisely does not listen to Eliab's uh, lies and his critics and, his, uh, and uh, his accusations about him. Because David knew his heart. That wasn't David's heart. The last one is the funniest to me. He accuses him. Well, let's go to the next one. He calls him being wicked. And obviously that is, that is that's, uh, what the Lord says about David and what Eliab says about David are two different things, aren't they? The Lord says he's a man after my own heart. And so obviously, um, if you think about this too, being wicked, and he talks about him being um, uh, basically just kind of selfish. Do you know what David was there for? He came to bring food to his three oldest brothers who were fighting the, in the front lines. Do you know how dangerous that would have been? He left the sheep with the shepherd and goes to take food to his brothers so they can have food to eat. Because back then in that culture, the army didn't provide for your meals. Your family had to support you. And so he had to go take them food at his own peril. To his food. That's how wicked David was. He didn't leave his brothers starving. He went and took the food himself at great risk to his own personal harm. So obviously you see this, this accusation is false as well. And so the last one, though, is the funniest one. He says, you just came to watch the battle. You know what, if I'm David, I would, my would probably respond a lot differently. But I bet David's like, this is boring. You're standing out here for 40 days, listening to a guy taunt you, and you just stand there? So obviously that wasn't it. Those guys have been doing it for 40 days. Dave had enough in the first day. And he's like, what? No, 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 no. What's, what's going on here? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. His brothers and the rest of them with him for 40 days had done nothing but sat there and be scared and be afraid. And so this accusation about David just coming to watch the battle wasn't, wasn't at all. Because there wasn't a battle going on. And so obviously that wasn't true either. But I wrote this down as I thought about this interchange with him and his brother. And not in Saul too, really, in some respects. But we have to be on guard ourselves as well in situations like this. That we don't, and be careful that we don't take advice. And be careful not to listen to criticism from those who are only spectators. Who do not ever engage in the Lord's work. Eliab wasn't doing anything but standing there watching he kind of assembled with God's people. He was standing around the group, but he wasn't involved in the fight. See the difference? Well, oftentimes in our life, we're going to have people come up with criticisms or counsel or advice. Hey, do this. Don't do this. But if you kind of step back and you observe their life, and sometimes you're going to know this, and sometimes you're not going to know this is true in their life. But in this case, you can see pretty clearly. David sees his brother and these other guys. He's like, I'm not listening to you guys. You're just standing there doing nothing. You have to remember, too, David was different because David was, as the Bible says, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He came on him in power. So David had the Holy Spirit guiding him and directing him. And when David came up, he saw with the Lord's eyes what was really going on. And he's like, whoa, you can't stand there and sit there and let this guy continue to talk like that about our God. Because what David knew and understood was Goliath, with his taunts and all stuff, we talked about that last time, he wasn't ridiculing just Israel. He was ridiculing the God of Israel. And David being a man after God's own heart, that didn't sit well with him. 
and it shouldn't have. And so we have to be guarded because there's, you know, you always hear the, the, the phrase armchair quarterbacks. I don't know if you ever played sports, but everybody who ever, if you play a sport or whatever, you see these guys who watch sports and just they kill me. Even the guys on the the networks, like the announcers, just like just stop talking and show the game. You know, everybody is an expert on something. You know, an armchair quarterback. Well, you know what? In Christian life, we got those too. We have to be very careful. We still love them. We're still patient with them. But you know what? There's people in my life that I know are believers. But when I look at their life, they're armchair Christians in a sense. And so when they give me counsel or advice, I know not to receive it in certain areas because I know they've not spent time with the Lord praying about it probably. But what I first and foremost do is what David did. I weigh what they say to what God has revealed to me. And if it doesn't match up, I reject it outright. I don't listen to it. And we see that in David in all three of these examples. We'll look at that here in just a second. But here's the thing about David. David was a man after God's own heart, which meant that he spent time waiting before the Lord in his life. He allowed the Lord to direct his steps and his prayers, his worship, and his praises, and his petitions. In fact, if you look at uh, Psalms 27, the last couple of verses 7 8 in that psalm, I love how David words this. This is later in his life. And um, he says this. I love this. He's not only is David a warrior, but David's a man, being a man of God, he's, a, he's got this heart of a shepherd. And he's just always trying to point the people back to God and, and the trusty God, and not just in themselves. But he says this. This is a very familiar passage. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. I love that picture. Now, David had probably countless examples from his life to reflect back on and, and come to mind, whether it was with Goliath, which certainly happened. That happened play out just like that with Goliath. But also play out with all the other enemies that David faced as well. Because David had a history of following God and walking with God. And so you see David in this interchange with Eliab, wisely rejecting Eliab's accusations, ignoring him, not receiving those. Because I'm telling you, the enemy, enemy will send people all the time to you to try to discourage you. People that are really close to you, really care about you. And they're not, they're not, they may not know what's going on. They may not know what the Lord's told you. They may not even spend any time with the Lord that day, but they'll come in with some kind of advice. And if you're not careful, you may listen to that and start to get kind of confused. But see, David didn't get confused because David didn't listen to Eliab. Because David already knew what God had said. And once he heard God, David wasn't open to other suggestions in this, in this time. But I don't listen to that. And he turned away and says, he started talking with the other men. And wisely so. Now look at Saul. He comes up with Saul. Saul does a, Saul does a similar thing. Saul has uh, offered some advice. And look how David deals with this interchange with Saul in verse 32. And uh, if you remember Saul, we talked about Saul was rejected by God. Pick up in verse 32, it says this. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has denied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from, this, from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic and put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Now you have to remember, Saul's the one who's supposed to go out. He's, he's, he's Israel's champion, supposedly, in theory anyway. 
He's the one when the Lord said when they picked him, he was head and shoulders above everyone else. He was like Israel's champion. He was a warrior king. We talked about that last time, how Israel asked for a warrior king so they could be like all the other nations around them. <laughs> well, they got that. But the problem was they weren't supposed to be like the other nations around them. And this warrior king was no match for this Goliath, and he knew it. Saul, was, Saul wasn't about to go out there because Saul knew that was going to be his last, his last breath. He knew he was no match for Goliath. And he should have been going out there, not David in that sense. But he didn't want to go out there. But more importantly, not only does Saul know he can't, he doesn't, he can't fight Goliath, he no longer has God's favor. That's what's really going on here. He no longer has the favor of God. And uh, because the Lord has rejected him. Remember what in First uh, Samuel 15, 23, look at why, a couple pages back to your left, listen to the wording while the Lord says he rejects him. He says, uh, well, back up to verse 22. This is when he's confronting Saul on his sin because he disobeyed God again, <laughs> which became a pattern in his life. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. What he's saying there is because Saul kept hearing the word of God either through Samuel or however God chose to speak to him, but primarily through, Sam, uh, Saul, uh, through Samuel, and Saul kept time and time again, kept either trying to change it or ignore it or do it his way. And God said, I'm not going to have any of that. And so he finally had to reject, he rejected him outright as king of his people. And so that's where Saul stands. And David knows this because he's been anointed by Samuel. But look at this. Remember when the, when the Lord picked uh, David, uh, he, the Lord says this in the scripture, that he, he rejected the word of the Lord, so he chose David because in verse Samuel, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says that the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Our enemy knows he's under the judgment of God. The enemy of our souls knows that. But it doesn't deter him, and it doesn't stop him from coming after us. He wants to try to cut in on God's people and God's activity and God's plan for our lives. And he'll do it with criticism or counsel that's unwise or foolish. Or lacks to, or counsel or wisdom that will cause us not to trust in God or not put our dependence upon God, but in other, other methods or other ways. And this is exactly the kind of counsel and criticism that was offered by Saul. His counsel was to be expected from someone who does not have God's favor or the Holy Spirit. As believers, we all got to be very careful who we confide in, who we listen to, or go for counsel. Someone may look, sound, and act like they know what they're doing, but they may, they may even have the appearance of being credible, reliable, and trustworthy. But remember, if their lives and their speech and their actions do not line up with the Word of God, do not listen to them. You have to remember, Saul, his early part of his reign was characterized as having the favor of the Lord. The Holy Spirit was with him. So there was a season, a very short season, but there's a season in his life early on in his reign where God, he had God's favor. But that's not true now. And, and David knows this. And so we have to be careful that we do not receive criticism or counsel from someone who's no longer being used by God and has developed a pattern in their life of disobedience against God and his word. Equally, if not more important, we have to be sure that we don't do the same. I can't just go and just try to do all my best effort and try to just try to help people and just give them my best guesses or give them counsel, or give them anything, or even criticize something, if I've not first spent time with the Lord personally, and I know what the Lord is saying, and what the Lord is doing in that situation. And if I don't, I need to be very guarded of what I say. 
and I need to be also very guarded what I receive. And so we have to be very vigilant that we do not do this ourselves and try to go out in our own power, our own wisdom, our own strength and try to help somebody. God calls us to go rescue those believers who are in the ditch or rescue those and help those people who are lost who need to know about our, our Savior. But we can't do it in our own strength. So we have to be very careful when we fall into that trap. See, that was Saul's biggest problem. Saul, every time he faced the enemy, was just always looking with his eyes and he wasn't waiting on the Lord. Always. You know, there's one picture when they're waiting on the Samuel to come to, to make the sacrifices and Saul's panicking because his army's starting to melt away. He's like, okay, we got to hurry. we got, we got to do something, guys. What are we going to do? He says, bring me the... Get, bring the, 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 the priest there. Let's, let's, let's intercede. Ask the Lord what we're supposed to do in this moment. And so the priests were interceding with the Lord. And Saul cuts him off and says, All right, stop. We've we got to go around. We've got to make action right now. And so instead of waiting to find out what God was going to say in that moment, he just rushes out there and nearly costs his son his life and the army an incredible victory that they, they almost lost because of his rashness and his foolishness and his lack of ability and desire to wait on the Lord. That was, that, was, that was how Saul, you characterize Saul's life, it was that. He was a, and by the way, Saul and the lives of the people during his lifetime was considered a very successful king. He's very popular. He's very, very successful because he established the kingdom. He basically started throwing off the yoke of the Philistines. So the people looked at Saul, with, with a, they, they adored Saul for the most part. But see, when you look through the lens of Scripture, God doesn't view him that way. See, that's why you have to be careful. There's going to be people in our lives that we're not going to really know what's going on in their hearts. See, that we don't, that's okay. It's not the most important thing is what God showed us. So when those times those people come up, and they may mean well. Saul probably meant well to some extent here with David. But David already heard from the Lord. And so when Saul came up to him, David measured that against what God had told him, and he rejected it. Look what David says in verse 34 through 37. Look at his response. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David doesn't fall in the trap here and make the mistake of being discouraged by Saul's assessment of the situation. Saul did not have the eyes to see like David did. Because remember, Saul didn't have the Holy Spirit. Saul only, when Saul looked at the situation, he only saw Goliath. When David looked at the situation, he saw Goliath in comparison to his God. And that settled it for him. That guy's a joke compared to my God. I don't care what he looks like to everybody else here, but compared to my God, that giant is a joke. And so David assessed the situation according to his God. I love that. You see that in David's heart here. And by the way, we saw about this two weeks ago. God's beginning here to raise up the shepherd after his own heart to shepherd his people. And so the people are going to see the difference between Saul, a king that they, won, that they were choosing, basically the type of king, and then the man that God had chosen. So even in this first, this first scene, public scene, if you're going to call it that for David, you see God making a clear distinction between his man and the people's king. Huge difference here. And so, but David kept his eyes on the Lord. And by the way, when David uh, was facing Goliath, David had a history to draw from. And, he's always, and he, he recounted it to Saul. Saul, listen, you don't understand. Here's how many times God has been faithful to him in my life. See, David was a forgetful person. There's times in your life and my life when we may face a situation or a challenge, and we're like, man, it just seems overwhelming. We've got to be careful that we don't forget all, all the times in the past where God's been faithful to us. I don't know about you, but I can't go back one time in my life and look back and say, you know what? God was unfaithful there. 
Because that's not true. Every time I go back and look at the challenges in my life, I go, you know what? He was faithful here. He was faithful there. Every single time, without exception. Even when I wasn't faithful, God was faithful. Because that's his nature. That's his character. And so David wasn't quick to forget that. And he was quick, though, to remind Saul this and point this out to Saul. And so, um, so David wisely refutes his poor counsel from this person under judgment. And he does it with the trustworthiness and faithfulness of God. But listen to what else that David does this encounter. Not only does he not listen to Saul's counsel of how to face the enemy either. You know, Saul says, first of all, you can't do it. And then David says, I can do it. He explained to him what God had done. He said, okay, you've got to do it this way, David. That's like enemy too, by the way. If enemy knows he can't maybe keep us from trying to follow the Lord, he'll try to redirect us at every point and every turn. Sorry about that. Every point and every turn, he's going to try to try to get us to change course or deviate from God's plan and God's best. If David had gone out in Saul's armor and uniform, David wouldn't have survived. See, David knew already what God told him to do. David knew that God told him to go out there and face this, uh, this giant, just like he did every other time. With the Lord. Remember when he went, went were the words he shared with Goliath? We'll look at the end here in just a moment. You come at me with spear and javelin and sword, but I come at you in the name of the Lord our God. So David knew where his confidence was. When he put that stuff on, it didn't fit, obviously, because it wasn't made for David. It was made for Saul. And when David went out there, he was supposed to go a certain way as well. Remember what he was? He was to be the shepherd of God's people. And God literally chose a shepherd boy to go out there with. Could you imagine the picture? The soldiers on the battle and watching. It's like, who's, who's that going out there with Goliath? That's a little boy. What's he carrying? He didn't have a sword. He's got a staff and a slingshot. The tools of a shepherd. But more than that, what couldn't be seen, he had a heart for God. And the Bible says when Goliath sees him, David doesn't just kind of tentatively walk out there, he runs to the face of the challenge. Because that's what God had called him to do. He doesn't hesitate. He obeys. He does it quickly. And then we get to see, obviously, a victory that only God could win. Can you imagine people scratching their heads like going, All right, our king's back here with all this stuff. And he would even go out there. And this boy goes out there with a rock and a stick. And then to see what happens. And by the way, and you kind of see this whole gesture that Saul gives him the armor. If you're not careful, I mean, you look first pass at first glance, that kind of seems, well, that was a noble gesture. That, that was the right thing. And after all, I mean, Saul's armor would have been the best. Probably nobody else in the army had armor like Saul. If anybody even had armor, or even a sword, most of them probably didn't have swords. Only the king probably had the armor that Saul would have. So it was probably the best you could get. There's no doubt that the armor he offered David was the very best in all the land. But that's not what God had chosen to do. I says, take a rock. He told him to get five, but he got five stones, took a slingshot, and his staff. But he went in the power of the name of the Lord his God. Isn't that cool? I love that. And so, as I was thinking about this encounter too, I, you know, this is, a, this is just a great reminder again in this picture here. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Not really. And so we don't wage the war as, as the world does, nor should we try. And we shouldn't implore the methods and strategies of the world either. David does not make this mistake. He knew God told him to face Goliath, and he would deliver God, deliver David from Goliath. God also, listen to this, God had also already purposed how David was to fight Goliath and what David was to take with him in this struggle. Remember, David had been anointed to be uh, God's shepherd of his people. I love that. And David knew when he went out there that the victory rests with the Lord and God alone. And you know, 
as we close, as we get this last one with Goliath, I wanna, we're going to talk about this for a second. And we'll end with this. But David goes out and he's so he's, he's listening to live his brother who's can't do it. What do you, you got the wrong? He's questioned David's motives and David's heart. He comes against Saul. And Saul's like, man, he questioned his ability to do it. And by the way, all those as far as Saul, the ability to do it, that was true. David couldn't take, beat Goliath. That was impossible. But God could. And the difference was David wasn't going alone. He was going empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was going being sent by the Holy Spirit. And so that's why he was able to run and face Goliath. Whereas Saul, who didn't have the Holy Spirit, was running the other way and hiding out. And that's the difference. So the last one we look at is Goliath. This is the enemy who stands against God. In verses 41 through 44 of this chapter, Listen to what Goliath says here. Listen to what happens this interchange. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, Obviously, the enemy's taunting David, and he's like he's been doing for 40 days with the other soldiers. But this doesn't work with David. David's already heard from God. In fact, God's already told David he's going to deliver this, this giant. So when David hears this lie from the enemy, he rejects it. In fact, David turns it back and says, I, Let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me tell you what's going to happen today. I'm going to, I'm going to deliver you and this whole Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And he says, I want to do it in the name of the Lord my God. So David already knew what God had said. So when this enemy comes with this obvious lie, David outright rejects it as wisely as he should. But look at the things that this guy points out. He comes at sticks. When Goliath saw the sticks, he saw David's shepherd's staff, no doubt, and was insulted by the fact that the Israelites were sending a mere boy with rocks and sticks against him. Then he cursed David by his gods. Of course, again, Goliath is trying to intimidate his opponent and taunt them. But basically what he's saying is that you know, our gods are stronger than your God, Israel, which is not true. And God was going to make that point very clear through this interchange. He says, come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Of course, again, Goliath's using threats to scare David. Now look at this down. You kind of look at those three here, and this is what kind of hit me. We have, this is typical from our enemy, by the way, for us today. And he tries to make us think that our resources are not enough to defeat him. In David's case, a stick and a slingshot. Or that our God will not deliver us. He lies to us, says that God either will not or cannot help us in this situation in our life. David didn't buy that lie. And he also, at the end, he says, our defeat is imminent. That's what Goliath was saying. You're getting ready to die. And David rejected that outright as well. As should we. Because the enemy will lie to us like that. That we don't, you know, our resources aren't enough. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have this or that. How could God use you? Look where you've come from. Any other lie the enemy would come up with. Or God won't deliver you. Either he's unable to or unwilling to. That's not the God of the Scriptures. That's a lie from the enemy. And David rejected that again outright. And the last one, that his defeat is imminent. The enemy wants us to make us think that, because we were talking about a couple weeks ago how the enemy, the challenges, or the, what they would do in the battle, if they could get the, enemy, the other side scared to death, that was just a huge advantage. Remember Goliath, whole, you know, Goliath was big, but he wasn't stupid. He was a very smart warrior. He did all these different things. He used his size. He used what he was saying. He used his, even the way he approached the army. For 40 days. Even that was psychological. He was trying to scare them so that they did send anybody out there. That person would come out there scared to death. Just kind of shaking, you know. But when he sees a boy, not only does he see a boy coming out, but that boy's not scared. And then the boy starts running towards him. 
Isn't it just like our God to overwhelm the enemy in such an amazing way? That when this victory was over with, no one said, look what David did. No. Look what David's God did. It's no different in your life and my life. There may be obstacles or challenges you face, difficulties, whatever. And you may just say, man, I'm just I'm overwhelmed here. I can't. What do I do? I encourage you to do what David did. You don't face, we don't face those situations in our own strength. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Recount God's faithfulness. Be reminded all the times that God's been faithful. Go back to the last words you heard from Him. And get a clear understanding of what God is saying for you in this time, this moment in your life. And then you can go forward in confidence. Whatever God would have you to do or not do, you can trust the Lord. Because the battle is His and the victory is His as well. But have you felt like that? That you just, I mean, I felt that way before. The enemy's lied to me and lies to all of us all the time. You might resources, they're just not enough. My strength is not enough. This situation is hopeless and God's either just chosen not to move or He just won't for whatever reason. We have to have ears to hear what God is saying. Not listen to this counsel and this quote advice from all these other sources that don't line up with God's Word. And that's the challenge we have to face each and every day. You know, David didn't listen to Goliath. Do you know why? Because he already heard from God. That's simple. He already knew what God said. And David, as he recounted to Saul, knew from experience many times that when God said something or when God provides, it's enough. If he killed a lion and a bear with a... <laughs> that's insane. But when he said that, there's something about that that's pretty interesting how he words that. We'll look at that at the end as we wrap up. But, you know, he says... Um, Where's the word here? He uses the word deliver. Let's read that. Verse, uh, I think it's 36. Um, Your servants killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. I think the reason he used the word deliver here instead of help me kill or defeat Goliath or the lion or the bear, David knew that on his own he couldn't defeat Goliath. But he was telling them ahead of time what God was going to do. I'll go out and fight this guy and I'll do and God will do for me now what he did for me back then. Even when God, when David is telling him what God has shared with him, he's doing it in such a way to make sure that he's reminding the people and telling the king and even Goliath when he faces Goliath, Here's what God's going to do to you, Goliath. Saul, here's what God's going to do to Goliath through me. See, David was David was very wise. David didn't understand. David never lost sight of the fact that he was just the one that God chose, and on his own he was just a boy. But, but his God was faithful, and his God was in charge. And so, and it's easy to kind of. Um, we read the story about David and Goliath. We see this. We see how it ends, and we can say, "Man, God's awesome, and God is strong." We can kind of be encouraged about God and take confidence in God. But in our own lives today, we don't know how the story ends. You may be facing a Eliab. You may be facing a Saul. You may be facing a Goliath. And you may not even recognize them. You know, in the text here, we can find out what's going on in Eliab's life pretty easy. And obviously, Goliath is a no-brainer. He's obviously the enemy. But many people around Saul hadn't, did probably realize he was rejected by God. And you're going to have people in your life, and I'm going to have people in my life. I'm not going to know that about them either. 
I'm not going to know this person over here is walk with God or not. They may, they may put on a good face. They may be really, really clever at having all the right things to say, but I may not. I don't know their heart. There's going to be some people you can kind of identify and, and line up. Well, here's the thing. Here's the key. Here's the point. I don't really have to know all that per se, but what I do have to know is what God is saying. What God has shared with me, what God has told me to do for me and my family. And then when I hear this counsel from these other people, then I can take it and I measure it against God's word, then I know whether God sent them. I've had people come to me and say, Dave, I got a word for you. Usually after that, it's like, oh, if I don't know these people, I'm like, oh, yeah, what's next? I've had some crazy stuff delivered to me from these words. And one guy came to me one time, I was getting my oil changed in a car, and this guy had the blue. I didn't, ever, I didn't know the guy. He saw the Bible in my seat, and he was talking to me. He says, so give me a chance to talk about the Lord with him. And um, he says, he stood there, and he gets this weird look, and says, I got a word for you, brother. And I went, okay, what, what's that? And he, he shares me this word, and it was bizarre, but the nicest thing I can say about it. And he said something about it, and he just, generically speaking, he was just being generic, of course, but, but God had already given me a clear word about something in that area. I mean, clear. <laughs> Years of stuff. And when he said what he said, which was out here in left field, I knew right away, obviously, to reject anything else he said because God didn't tell him to say anything to him. He may have got emotional. He may have got excited. I don't know what was going on, but God didn't tell him to speak to him. I was able to identify that really quickly, simply because I already knew what God had told me. And what he said was so clearly against what God had revealed to me, I knew not to receive that. But you have people in your life and my life who come up to you, maybe it's with criticism or counsel. You know what, Dave? You should do this or you shouldn't do this. That's why we have to know what God has told us and what God is telling us in those times in our lives. And before we jump out there, even as somebody who cares about you and loves you dearly, I've had people who love me and I know they love me and I know they love the Lord. And they've tried to come to me and kind of persuade me to either do something or not do something. And I have to, you know, I have to be very guarded with that because this happened. there's been times when people really meant well, but they were not lining up with what God was showing and sharing with me in that season of my life. And there's been times when people have, and I've been thankful for that. God's using them to encourage me and strengthen me in my walk. But the, the point is this. We have to know what God is saying above everything else. That helps us not get confused by all the other voices out there, all the other lies from trying the tricks of the enemy to try to confuse us or to keep us from hearing what God is saying or to discourage us. And so... As we close today, I just want to encourage you this morning. And that, um, ask yourself this, and we always do this a lot, but just as you go throughout this week, especially today, ask yourself, look back on this past week and kind of reflect on your life, your time with the Lord. Would you say, are you communing with the Lord? Are you spending time with Him every day? You know, if you look at the Davidic Psalms especially, you see David's heart and the time that countless hours he spent with the Lord. And of his worship and his praise and just his adoration of God time and time again. Many of those were written while he was just a shepherd boy. Out there being faithful in the little assignment he was given to God prepared him to do something greater. But David was faithful in what we would call a small thing, which wasn't a small thing. Because obedience to God is a big thing. Whether it's small or, or great in our eyes, obedience is huge with God. But ask yourself this, am I being obedient in the small things, so to speak, even though this is not small? Am I obedient with my time? Am I rushing through it? Am I really communing with the Lord? Is there other areas in my life where maybe there's been some disobedience and I've not gotten right? I'm not settled there? God's maybe been convicting you or showing you things, whether it's sin issues or relationship issues or any other things that's going on. You've not really given that to the Lord like you should. Or there may be some decisions you've got to make, but there's confusion about those decisions because you've not stopped long enough to find out what God is asking you, what God's telling you for your life, for this time and place. There's a lot of people out there with really good advice. There's a lot of people with great advice. But is it what God is telling you? 
That's it's just that simple. And sometimes we make it too complicated, too hard, because we're not willing to slow down long enough and spend time finding out what God is showing us. That's why when you see David and you see this young boy come up and do what he does with his giant, that didn't happen that day. David didn't show up inside to be Israel's champion. He didn't show up that one day and say, you know, I think I'll go kill a giant today. No. His entire life up to that point had been a life characterized by seeking God, spending time with the Father, being a worshiper of God, and God was, and having a heart after God. Because when, when God identified him to Samuel, God had already saw his heart. He said, that's a man from my own heart. David had been faithful up to that point, even prior to even seeing Goliath. So Goliath was just one more thing in a series of things in David's life that God was going to use. But David, prior to that, had been faithful and obedient in all of the things that came across his path. Even something as mundane as watching a bunch of dumb sheep out in the wilderness. Can you imagine that for hours, day after day, month after month, week after week, year after year, cold, hot, rainy? He was faithful. And God was developing his character. And David was learning to trust God in ways he never learned before. And he probably would never have if he not being resisted that time and didn't rest in that moment and let God develop him like he could. Let's pray.